for having me. To Alternative Glad to London. make it. Finally, I think we both we started talking about this in um, last summer, wasn't it? White Cross Street last White Cross summer, Street, yeah. 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 Um, when you were doing a, a stand at the White Cross Street Festival uh, with JD Woof, um, and you'd done a little um, electric box, yeah, painting. That's there, become my tradition for White Cross Street. I did the birds on Roscoe Street last yeah. year. Yeah, that's what it's called, isn't it? It's yeah, it's 171. Number. I can't remember. It's a right pain in the ass to count them. Yeah, and I got the kids to count them in the end. Wicked. Gave them a free sticker. I think it was <laughs> scrambling my brain. Nice. How's things? Yeah, good. Good. It's good. Good to finally be here. And yeah. I love this space. I'm already excited about coming back to this space to do stuff. Yeah, it's the first one that we've done in a little while back in the Alternative London studio. And um, it's the first. It's actually the first episode this year. We've had a little break, so it's really nice to be be back with it so um yeah just behind me is one of your posters yeah. as well so we might get onto that as well i didn't just put that there because you're coming <laughs> you take like, it down oh, when i've got steve's yeah. coming up yeah, <laughs> I'll, yeah. put, I'll put the poster up yeah. it was actually there because i actually love that little piece of artwork yeah. but uh you're just back in the uk aren't you from uh, residency yeah how was that yeah I, it was um so i spent most of january on a remote island 25 miles off the coast of north carolina Wow. Called Okra Coke. It was, I, I don't know how to describe it, but that won't make a very interesting podcast. But it was just being immersed in a place. Yeah. And it was freaky coming back to London because I'd been around, the most people I'd been around in one place was maybe five okay. for a month. And that was like a busy evening on Okra Coke. Wow. How big's the island? How the many island, I think there? it's 16 kilometres long, maybe okay. three or four kilometres wide. Yeah, I mean, in the summer it gets really busy, so it's a holiday destination. But mm -hmm. you can't, there's no bridges, you have to get the ferry there, which is like a three hour ferry ride. And I think 700 people live on the island year round, but in okay. January that's even less. Mm -hmm. So there's like one bar that was open for four hours each day, like between I don't know, four and eight or something. Yeah. One restaurant and one shop. Um, but that was, that was wonderful. I, it took me maybe five days to surrender to it. Yeah. I was still like agitated and wanting to do stuff. But it was, yeah, it was a wonderful thing. I'll carry on making sense of it for a long time. But it's definitely changed stuff for me about how I think about making things. Yeah. I grew up on an island. Um, I was back there last week and normally if I ever go back to visit, it's in the summer, like yeah. taking my daughter there for summer holidays and stuff. So going back in the winter, um, it was that similar thing. Like if you don't get to a pub by two o'clock, it's closed. Yeah. And then like, there's nothing open until yeah. the evening. Yeah. And you just don't have that level of convenience. No. That, that, and, and it's, um, it, like you say, it's just like surrendering to that and getting in the groove of it. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just gonna have a really miserable time. Yeah. And the, the reason that, yeah, you wanna get away from a big city and go somewhere like that is because yeah. You, you don't have all the convenience yeah. <laughs> and it can slow down. You yeah. can't slow down if everything's... That's the thing, you couldn't escape. Um, it's like I would have gone to my default of going somewhere or travelling somewhere or finding something. And I, so I only had a bike to get around on and it was a bike that only had one gear. And it was one of those really old ones that you have to pedal backwards to brake. Oh, wicked. So it's like a fixed, fixed gear thing. Yeah. And it's really windy. Um, so I couldn't cycle that far. And I just kept cycling to think, all right, now I'm going to find something different. And it was the same. I mean, it was lovely. It was beach and everything else. But it, in the end, I just had to give up and go, right, I just have to look at what's under my nose rather than seek new stuff. And what did you find under your nose when you were there? Um, well, I didn't know because it was an art residency. Mm -hmm. um, There's a strange story about it. It came about by accident, like most stuff does. Um, and we uh, had loads of patrons. Um, so JD, we've come out for the last two weeks. And we had patrons that bought the art materials for the residency. So when we went to Ocracoke, we took a van with like loads of canvases and paint and everything. And then it just sat there on the, the dining room table because I was there for a week and a bit on my own, just staring at me going, come on then, call yourself an artist. Why aren't you making anything? And it just felt such pressure. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I realised I just needed to really feel on my own and feel alone. So I just went walking along the beach one day and I just found some driftwood. And I've always got spray cans and paint in my bag. Um, and so I thought, all right, I'll just spray that. And I sprayed it white and I painted black on it. I need to be alone. And then decorated the pole and then just installed it in the middle of the beach, this deserted beach. And that was sort of how it started. So that was under my nose. 
And that led to a chain of events where over time some locals saw it and then some locals in the one bar that was open for four hours spoke to me about art and they went, oh shit, are you the guy that did that thing on the beach? Then that led to different connections, that led to getting an invite on the radio station and then it led to an invite of writing an article in the paper and meeting other artists. But that came about from not trying. It's just being open to seeing what's there. I've spoken about this so many times with so many artists on the podcast. Um, and I think that's um, such a classic idea of just as soon as you start something, it yeah. snowballs. It's yeah. all about just getting the momentum, getting that movement, yeah. that forward movement. And then all of a sudden you're like the superstar of Oprah yeah. Coke. Yeah. <laughs> and then just as it peaks, I leave. Yeah. <laughs> mic Perfect. drop and leave, yeah. Yeah, mic drop. But that's, just a, that's a thing, the thing that I still find difficult to do, but it's this idea of, um, there's a guy called Arnie Mindell, he called it quantum flirting. Now he wasn't writing about art, he was writing about existential philosophy, I think. Mm -hmm. But that idea of not going to look for ideas or concepts or inspiration, but letting go and then just noticing what's there. Mm. It's the same with the poster, the cat poster you referred to. I never intended that to become a thing. Really? I just saw I saw a real lost cat poster and I thought that cat looks a bit weird. It's like cross eyes and it's like mountain lion. So I faint, painted the fake lot cat, lost cat poster. I almost didn't put it on Instagram and then people said, oh, can I have this? And then I made some posters of it and it's like in 53 countries on every continent now. Wow. But I never intended that. And yes, there's moments where it just, it's just run away with itself. And there's moments where I've hated it. It's like I've just spent a day stuffing envelopes. You know, I don't make any money from it. But then that's it. I think my job is to set projects free. Yeah. I think that's an interesting point as well about um, not making money from it as well, because maybe it's not that specific thing, but that will lead on to something yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. And that's all part of a wider realm of being a um, self-sufficient artist, I yeah. guess, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So I made, okra coke didn't cost me anything, but I didn't make any money. Mm -hmm. Well, it cost me to buy food and stuff like that, which is expensive on an island. What was the um, food like up there? It's, I mean, I'm vegetarian, and it was like off-coast North Carolina with one restaurant. So it was difficult, mm -hmm. um, but I found that they had some fake meat. Um, called the impossible meat stuff. Mm -hmm. And I saw it, I was really excited. So I bought a pack of it and then went back in like two days later and said, oh no, that was it. That was the stock. <laughs> and so there weren't any more for the whole month. So <laughs> I sort of eat pasta and things like that, but that's, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. yeah, that's another thing about um, being somewhere a little bit more cut off as well. You, yeah. We, I was speaking to my friend about it yesterday and we, we are in a bubble here for yeah, sure. Yeah. And I kind of like that bubble in a lot of ways yeah. because when you get out of it, being a vegetarian or being anyone that's kind of slightly different can be a little bit more bit more difficult, can't it? But yeah. I suppose it is changing a bit. But just quickly back to the um, back to the Lost Cat, for anyone that didn't know about it, it's, it's basically a, a spoof Lost Cat poster um, with just some brilliant, witty... Um, how would you describe it? Witticisms. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, something like that. It's just I like, I, I I like making the world seem a bit weirder and a bit more bizarre. Yeah. So it's just it, what I wanted to do with it. I realised afterwards was from a distance it looks like a lost cat poster, even though the cat doesn't look real. Yeah. But it rewards the curious. So if you go up and read it, that's when you get the reward. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And it's it's funny. I said. I mean, lots of people have liked it, but I sometimes get some abuse saying that that cat painting shit. Um, yeah, I mean it is. Yeah, it's not it's meant not to the point, look like a real cat. Actually, actually, no. I think it's quite a good cat yeah, painting. Yeah, exactly. I think it's quite good. Yeah, that's what. If it was too realistic, it would just miss the point, wouldn't no. it? It wouldn't be funny then. No, exactly. That's 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 the thing that draws people in. I think. And again, it's it, that point about money. Is if that was a profit-making project, it wouldn't be the same thing. I think I've been asked before why why is it so compelling? I mean, it's free as far as I know about three and a half thousand of the posters around the world. Wow. So that's what I like to think is I've created three and a half thousand paste up artists. Yeah. Um, but I think the reason people like it is it has no point to it. It's not like visit this website and buy this thing or advertise it and buy cat food. And I've done some talks to marketing companies and stuff before and I've said, well, could, could we do something like that? And it's probably not because you've got an intention. I've got no intention behind it. I don't care what happens to it. Yeah. I think that's what makes it compelling mm -hmm. people participating in stuff that has no point to it whatsoever yeah yeah I kind of talk about that point um sometimes on my tours when we um 
when we're looking at some artists who are who are just technically brilliant and you can't ignore what they're doing because it is so good but then there are other artists who the technicality the technical aspect is very very basic but you can tell that they are putting that work up on the street um, purely for an engagement or purely to make someone else smile. They're yeah. not doing it for like Insta fame. They're not doing yeah. it to sell paintings. And something like that, I think, is like the, that's, that's like the, the kind of raw essence to me of like communicating um, via an artwork yeah. on the street. Yeah. It's just putting something up there that someone's, yeah. that's going to bring a smile to someone else's yeah. face. And, um, and your work really, really does that a lot. And I think it was actually the, um, the Lost Cat poster that, um, that I found out about you really. Yeah. And then uh, kind of started following your work um, via that as well. Yeah. Um, and now, like you say, it's in, uh, it's in Antarctica. Yeah. Mental. Yeah, I'm trying to get one in space. That's my next ambition. I've got some connections, but it's not happened yet. What connections have you got in space? I did. It's brilliant. Because, again, I make no money from these projects, but then I end up getting paid for doing talks about projects and the philosophy of art and stuff. Um, And I did a talk at a... I can't say who the client is, but I did a talk at a conference in Brighton. Um, I do a talk using a bingo machine, and the bingo machine decides what projects I'm going to talk about. So I don't know what I'm going to talk about beforehand. The talk's different every time. And the Lost Cat poster came out of the bingo machine, so I told the story and said, I want to get one in space. And then someone said, well, one of my clients is a British space exploration company, Um, so they were going to have a word. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. That would be absolutely incredible. I had a little brush with um, some space people recently as well. Space right. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a wild night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I met this uh, this kind of older couple um, from the States, and they, they came and did a tour and a workshop, and at the end of the workshop, they said, oh, that was, that was like an absolutely brilliant experience. We've been in London a few days, and we've got something really special that we want to give you. We've been waiting to find the right person that deserves this. And like we, we both work at NASA, right. and we've got this NASA badge that only we can get yeah. and there's not oh, many wow. of them and we want to give it to you yeah. and I was like I'm not that into like space stuff but I thought that was such a yeah. rad little gift yeah. such a moment so I've kind of given it to my daughter so that she can like lose it amongst all her toys yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah. she didn't get what it was at all no. really but I'm like that's something pretty yeah. pretty rad um, and he's a guy I said what do you do and he's like I, I actually like design and build spaceships right. Like, that's mental, isn't it? Yeah. What mad job. Yeah. And he came on the tour. He came on the yeah. tour, yeah. Yeah. And they fucking loved it. Yeah. Um, but I so, bet he was walking around on the tour going, looking at the art, going, that's fucking mental. What a yeah. brilliant job compared to my boring one. That's so it. It's, yeah. It's exactly it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I think with the, it's like you say, and that's why I, I like street art and I like anything that interrupts people's patterns. Mm. They'd be walking along and it's just like, it distracts or it confuses or it baffles or it just makes them stop. And that could be something that's technically brilliant or just something that's unusual. Yeah. And that's one of the things I did in, I can't remember if it was 2017 or 2018, I installed a gallery on Hungerford Bridge, which is just some big wooden cutouts. Um, and I went up there early um, on a Sunday morning and installed a couple of cutouts. So I had a big long washing pole. So I had to lean over the Thames and hook them on. Wow. And that was there for, I think it was 90 days just this gallery, and I called it the Hungerford Bridge Gallery of Outsider Art, and it didn't have any details of mine, so no one knew who it was. And I just used to walk over there, and there'd be crowds of people just going, what the fuck's this? And, like, people on their way to work. And then I'd see, like, from the hashtag on Instagram, people saying, oh, it brightens my day every morning, or I say hello to it every morning. And it's that interruption that I think is brilliant. Otherwise, you're just in in the routine, biding your time, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. so you're actually, before I go any further into work, I just mentioned that um, I call you Steve, Steve Zoe, yeah. but you would call yourself Steve... So the way that I've always pronounced it is Steve Zor. Steve Zor. And okay. that came from um, when I just left school, as one of my friends gave everyone nicknames. I mean, he was a self-appointed nickname giver. And it's just all really weird names. I had friends called Shaka Ping and... Uh, Murr and things like that. And I had a battered old Volkswagen Polo at the time, and the number plate was XOH. So he used to start calling me Zor. And then when social media came around, I started to adopt that. Everyone says it differently. It's like I get introduced and they say, Steve XO, or they think it's like hugs and kisses. And so I I really don't mind. I like the, I don't know how to pronounce it. So, yeah. 
So you just don't correct anyone when, no, when they call you anything? It's, no, see what happens. And I like it That's that nice. it, it baffles people as well. It yeah. seems on brand, it's accidental. Yeah. Anything that seems good obvious. branding and marketing for me is completely accidental. <laughs> Yeah, because your work is um, it is surreal, isn't it? It has a um, a real kind of um, abstract, and um, it's a it's a huge amount of um, your kind of imagination gone wild. It yeah. seems to me. Yeah, and I think that's it. It's just, I mean, I don't make for obviously I sell stuff, but I don't make stuff to sell. It's it's just a way of it's like therapy, isn't it? Yeah. It's like I've got a overactive imagination, um, I'm dyslexic, I'm undiagnosed, but I know that I sit on the edge of the autistic spectrum. So I see the world in patterns and shapes and connections and surreal chains of thought. So getting that out on paper, that's therapeutic. And it just, yeah, the world's a weird place, isn't it? So. It really is, yeah. And I think actually, if you look at it on the on the flip side of it, I think... Yeah, the world is an absolutely mental place. And it seems that the kind of structures that we live within at the moment um, are more bonkers than yeah. anything that we could ever really yeah. um, imagine. If you were yeah. going to say, right, set up a system of how we're going to live yeah. in the world, the one that we live in right now um, is pretty mad. Yeah. Um, so when we, when we think about actually the way that um, you perceive the world, it's probably not actually that bonkers. No. It just seems it yeah. compared to the system no, that we're right. in. Yeah, I mean, it's a system that really, I reckon, is designed to, well, A, keep those in power in power, mm -hmm. but also to um, it's like, uh, anaesthetise us from anxiety. It's a defence against anxiety. Mm. If I go to this job and do this thing and earn this money and do this and this and this, then I don't need to think about the fact that I'm an insignificant and impermanent creature in an uncaring universe yeah. because uh, I can chase the next promotion or that type of thing. But yeah, it's, I, I think revealing more of that, how naturally brilliantly weird the world is and how weird we are. I mean, what the fuck are we? <laughs> I, th that's why a lot of animals feature in my work. The animals must look at us and go, how are these idiots still around? Yeah. I mean, how are they in yeah, charge? Yeah. What the hell's going on here? Yeah. And they just sit there just nodding, <laughs> <laughs> biding their time, twiddling their paws or their wings or whatever they've got. Yeah. Tentacles. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry. They'll, they'll kill themselves yeah, off soon. They've not been here that long in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. yeah. And they won't be here much longer if they carry on like no. this. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that brings us on to uh, what the February. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 So the whole month of February. And that's another thing that I like about your stuff as well. It's that um, you're not just putting art out there you're you're kind of a bit of an instigator as well you're doing stuff where you're encouraging other people to get involved yeah. in these projects yeah. like and get um yeah kind of get more creative yeah. i suppose and get more imaginative yeah um so what tell us about what the february what yeah. what what is i mean <laughs> february is the the most bonkers month anyway yeah. really isn't it well what the february started again it's like wow amazing branding what the feb what the fuck that type of thing but yeah. it started because i wanted to do something and i'm lazy and that so i picked the month that had the least amount of days in it that's the only reason it's in february um and the first year i did it, it was 29 days and i was like i was gutted gutted but it was that i'm interested in using social media to re-engage people in the real social so to not be glued to their phone and i did uh, lots of free art um, trails before I did some down in Deal in Kent with a gallery where I'd hide bits of art on the street and post clues on Instagram and then people would go out hunting for it and then I'd go and hide them in a shop and like there'd be a record shop in Deal and you had to go in and answer a specific question uh, or buy something mm -hmm. and it just got so many people out and I thought well this is where social media can be a force for good so what the February came from me thinking right I'm I wonder what would happen if I just dared people to do weird stuff. And it started in 2000, and it is just, yeah, a daily challenge um, to make something, to do something. I mean, some of the favourites is, um, I mean, there's been movement ones, there's been dance ones, there's been um, like installing stuff, there's been 
Um, one of my favourite ones, which was I think yesterday's or the day before, was to create demotivational posters. Yeah, so like the one. opposite of these motivational posters, and they're brilliant. They're, yeah. But people are better at all of this stuff than they think they are. That's what I think. So I, yeah. I quite often will put a challenge on what the February think. I can't do that. Like last year was a low budget Disney movie, right. and it was to make a one minute Disney movie with story, plot, characters, music, only using items you got laying around the house. And I thought no one's going to do that. And people said, I can't possibly do that. But by the end of the day, there's these genius things. Um, but and this year, I mean, the, one of the important things about What the February, this year is the last year ever. Because one of my... What the, the, what, I'm this is, never going to do it again. This is the last yeah. year of, of all time. Oh, it's yeah. the last yeah, year of Feb, What the February. Yeah, I thought year. you meant this is the last year ever. Oh, oh it like, might be. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? We're only in February. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if it does happen, then listen I might back. finding that out yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, at least you got me recorded saying it. And they go, all right, you could see the future. Yeah, the last ever What the February. Because one of the things that's important to me is that a project is impermanent and it ends intentionally well at a peak. Mm. And it'd be so, I mean, it's again, it's my interest in doing the opposite of common sense and logic. It would be so easy to go, right, make this bigger, commercialise it, um, expand it, change it. And it's no. It's, it's been a brilliant one this year. And before it started, I said, this is going to be the last one. And I might get to the 1st of March and think, oh, I really wish I was going to do another one. But I've committed to it now. So it will end at a peak. Amazing. That's the idea anyway. Yeah. I think that's always a good way to go out as well. I think um, carrying on something because it's um, successful just for the sake of it is, um, is quite a... Yeah, it's, yeah, you're going to lose motivation in it, yeah. aren't you? Well, there's, um, I might be misquoting this story terribly, so I'm going to, um, sorry, Fred, if I am. I always tell this story about my friend Fred Deakin, who's mm -hmm. one half of Lemon Jelly. You might have seen oh, yeah. some of his work. He's a brilliant graphic artist. So I think he told me this. I can never tell because my memory's not brilliant. But he used to have a, an amazing design studio, and it, it, the, it, they decided to stop it at his peak because it was doing really well. And it's like, well, Let's just stop there and end well and celebrate it and finish it. I mean, that's always the thing quoted. I mean, the humour's very dated now, about 40 Towers, wasn't it? They, yeah. only, they only ever made 12 episodes or something. He's making a new one now. I know. That's, the most disappointing thing about that is it would probably be shit, but it's always been held up in writing circles as that idea of just do something well for a short yeah. amount of time. Yeah. And, but I like that in all of my projects. It's like I did a, um, the silent podcast. I'll never do that again. Mm -hmm. I did a conference, I had a theatre in London and got did a conference that was the opposite of TED. So speakers gave talks on subjects they didn't know anything about. <laughs> and it was sold out. It was like sold out theatre. Um, and I'll never do that again because I can't do it again because I know what I'm doing. And, yeah, that's it. And that's the thing is like, I think artists quite often worry, well, everyone worries about intellectual property and copywriting and trademarking. And I think, well, someone's, someone's probably done it before anyway that I don't know about. And someone's going to rip it off at some point. Mm -hmm. So my way of coping with that is I'm just on to the next thing. Yeah. Someone, someone will bring out a silent podcast and it will go viral and be world famous, even though I did it first. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I don't care. What was the silent podcast? So that was, that was again, it's another curious... All of these things, like The Lost Cat and that, start as a question, normally when I'm walking or running or something like that. Do you do a bit of running? Yeah. I noticed we have similar watches. We have. Yeah. Oh, that's the giveaway, the isn't it? The yeah. Garmin Club. Yeah. Garmin Club. Correct. Garmin I, was, I was too busy looking at your tattoo to notice your right. watch, actually. Yeah. Let my guard down for a minute. Yeah. Didn't notice that you were in the club. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Garmin Club. Yeah. The, the Garmin Club. Tattoo club. Snake yeah. tattoo and yeah. the Garmin yeah, Club. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So Silent Podcast, I was, I think I read it's... It's just this brilliant, it's one of the gifts of dyslexia is seeing stuff in patterns. So there'll be a chain of thought and then all of a sudden I'm miles away and I have to work hard to stay on topic or on target. And someone uh, sent me a, a, I saw a tweet or something and it was advertising some leadership podcast. And I thought, oh, not another podcast that's promising all the answers. And there's too many podcasts, what's the opposite of a podcast? And I thought, well, it would be nothing. What if, what if I did a weekly podcast that broadcasts nothing? And I thought, what would be even better is, what if I record it with special guests? So I sit with a special guest each week and record and broadcast two minutes of silence. Um, and I, I called it Sound of So I registered the domain and I announced on social media, I said, from, I don't know, June 2018 or 2017, whenever it was, 
I'm going to be hosting the world's first silent podcast featuring special, special guests. Um, and then again, I've committed to it and I have to do it. And there was 100 episodes. I said again, because I wanted it to end well. So I said up front, there's only going to be 100 episodes. And then thought, shit, that's two and a half years. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't work that out. Um, and then for two and a half years, every week, I broadcast Two Minutes of Silence. And I had some amazing guests on it. Um, episode 99 was with Eddie Izzard. I had David Shrigley on it. Um, oh. Nikki Hurst, who's the artist I was talking about earlier, who's doing curating the, the exhibition that I'm going to later. I had Vic Reeves on it. Um, and then just um, that Ben Wilson, Chewing Gum Man, was on it. Yeah. Um, so a mix of artists, uh, musicians... Just everyday people. The little old lady that used to live around the corner was on it. My dog was on episode That's quite fifty. Hard to keep back quiet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two <Yeah>. minutes. <laughs> I mean, this was it was such a surreal experience. The whole the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but people downloaded it. I mean, I think at the peak, I never under. I mean, you might know it better. I never understand podcast statistics like listeners versus downloads versus all of that. But it seemed at its peak, there's about ten to twelve thousand people listening to Silence. And the weird thing was some episodes are more popular than others. It's like Eddie Izzard's silence was really popular. <laughs> and um, at no point there do you, you introduce or talk so about what, them or So where or it's ended up now is um, on the podcast, I do a very short introduction. So I'd say, welcome to Sound of Silence. Today's guest is Eddie Izzard. Um, hello, Eddie. And you go, hello. That's my impression of Eddie Izzard, yeah, by the way. And he might say a couple of words or something. But the, the intro yeah, was no more... anyone listening, we didn't just like bring Eddie Izzard no, in No, just in case you were wondering, he's just been sitting here the whole time. <laughs> just waiting to say yeah. hello. Um, and the, it, the, it'd be very tiny intro. And then the silence would start. It'd just be two minutes. And you've got whatever background noise, some are slightly noisier than others. It was never in a really noisy place. And at the end of two minutes, I'd just say, thank you for joining me, Eddie, or whoever and that was it but then what I've done now is I cut out the intro and the outro you can still listen to them um, and it is just a grid of a hundred boxes that you click on and you listen to the silence of that person and every um, I painted the logo with some Japanese sumi ink and the people are holding the same version of the logo in every photo so it's uniform square photos of all the guests and I mean it's brilliant because I just think right I really want to meet David Trigley so I write to him and say, "Do you want to record silence with me?" Or I really want to to meet um, it was Terry White, I did the hostage who was in Beirut in the eighties. Yeah. Again, I spent a day. I went to his house in deepest Suffolk and spent a day talking about religion and war and captivity and all of those types of things. Then we record nothing, and then we carry on the amazing conversation and come home. Yeah. But what again, experience. it was one of those projects that. Yeah, I hated it at points. It's just like, this is so much work. It's cost me so much money in train fare and things. But I couldn't not do it. Yeah, once you start something, you've got to finish yeah. it, haven't you? And, and that's you... that. There's going to be 100 episodes. So I've committed to it then. Yeah. Yeah, that is a lot of commitment. And um, yeah, what an amazing project. And to get... Um, yeah, when I first started doing doing this podcast, one of the early guests said to me, if you invite someone to come and... Um, let's just sort of come around your house for a chat for an hour <laughs> like they're probably going to say no but if you say do you want to come around and record a podcast then they yeah. might agree to it and um, and that's kind of been the case with with a, with a lot of the guests but I suppose with a lot of the guests that you're talking about they probably get invited to do um, so many things yeah. all the time when they're talking about themselves to actually do something completely different yeah. where they're just getting to just be quiet yeah. I, I guess that's that's a real um, a pull for them, isn't it? Yeah, and it's the ones that got it. I think, I mean, everyone says it's a good ratio, but I think to get 100 episodes, I probably invited 400, 400 people, Sounds something right. like that. Um, but the ones that got it, getting it started was the most difficult thing because it sounds mm -hmm. like a spoof, doesn't it? Yeah. And I don't think that a lot of the people that I invited that I didn't hear back from or turned it down, I think their agents turned it down. I don't even know if it got to them. Yeah. Um, and then that first one, it was episode 13, was with Jim Moyer, who I love, well, Vic Reeves, who I love his art. Yeah, great as artist. Much as he's, yeah, I mean, just surreal artist. Yeah. Um, and as soon as I got him, it was like people started thinking, all oh, right, maybe this is a real, a real thing. Mm. Uh, but it never, it was interesting, it never really got mainstream Sound of Silence. I mean, people listened to it, but it never became a thing. 
yet the lost cat poster i think i put so much effort into sound of silence and not many people were interested paint a shit cat and stick it on a poster and everyone loves it you can't uh, you can't choose your audience no exactly <laughs> you can't pick like the things that and that's the same well. with selling artwork i sell lots of prints you never know what people are going to buy no like i'll do i spent i'll get a print run of lovely giclee prints and no one will want them and i'll just draw a little doodle somewhere and someone says can i have that so you just don't know but that's part of the mystery of it that's why i like yeah, it yeah it is but you sound like you're constantly thinking and moving and going but um i think that's quite a good example when you said you 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 probably asked about 400 and you get 100 and that's yeah probably the about the right ratio i think for for a successful right. podcast product i don't know i guess yeah, that was yeah, kind of what yeah. it would be but um do you ever kind of get demotivated do you ever think oh for fuck's sake like you know you have two or three things that don't work out in yeah. a row or or sometimes like nothing's kind of sticking yeah. and you start do you ever get demotivated I mean, I get or do you just existentially demotivated all the time but yeah. with projects it's I think I kill them before I get to that point good. I think I'm really good at killing stuff or not starting stuff like I have so many ideas and I don't write them all down and if they keep coming back and nagging me I might write them down and then do nothing with them but if they keep coming back and like, persistent it's right that's probably worth it mm. because there's something in me that's interested in it mm. And so I knew, it's it's almost like there's an instinct, it's like, oh, I'm doing this, aren't I, before my logical brain can talk me out of it. It's like with the whole inexpert thing, there was a lot of outlay for that, to get the theatre and to get the, the speaker. I didn't pay the speaker, it was all not for profit. But I had to, I knew I couldn't not do it. Um, yeah, and again, an it gets hard. Like like, yeah. You have to run with it, don't you? And it ended up, just by complete fluke, I think I lost two pound. So selling the tickets, even though it's not for profit and other stuff, and I called in favours from people. A guy did the big lino stencil on the floor and other people donated things. But I don't, so far I haven't got demotivated with stuff. I'll have shitty days, like stuffing lost cat envelopes, thinking even if I made a pound each on these, it would be good. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think I start stuff. And it is, people are always saying, people have lots of ideas and they say we should collaborate on it. And as I'm listening to them, I'm thinking, you're not interested enough in it. It's gonna, you're gonna get bored with this and I'm gonna get bored of it. Yeah, so you kind of know, I suppose, is that from, is that from experience or do you think that's just kind of a kind of innate ability that you know? I think, yes, yeah, a complete gut instinct. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, in, and in all areas of life, it's like, oh, I've got to do this difficult thing now. <laughs> I've got to walk away from this job or this relationship or these things and it's like I have no I could convince myself that it's um, it's it's not important but it is and it's the same with projects so I, I need to kill off what the February because I know next year I will absolutely hate doing it um, also I run um, oh this might be an exclusive announcement actually so I've run the Spongleheim gallery which is an online outsider art gallery, which again, I started as an experiment. We uh, put out an open call, get submissions around the world and a secret panel with a weird, strange selection process pick, I can't remember, I think it's 21 pieces. And it's become really popular, some great art in there. But again, the last exhibition that I did, I was thinking, oh, I'm just noticing my energy for this is going. So I'm gonna do one more of them and then kill that off and part yeah. of that. Yeah. But I think it's just noticing that energy. Like, is it, is it just hard work or is it, no, I've lost interest? There's a difference between them, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's it's kind of tricky for me because I, um, you're sort of talking about um, dyslexia and being a little bit on the spectrum and things like that. And, um, and I have ADHD. Um, so, and I wasn't diagnosed until my early 30s, but then a lot of things um, in my life that had happened prior to that in terms of like kind of structured education and these yeah. kind of things, it, it made a lot of sense because um, you just can't get yourself motivated to do something right. that you have no interest in. Yeah. And um, I was chatting to someone about it recently and and this, and this and the, the, the classic answer to that is, Oh, but I don't like doing stuff, but I still do it. Yeah. Or I, yeah. I love doing the stuff that I love doing, and I yeah. do it more. But I actually found out that there's this um, there's this kind of time lapse 
in your brain where right. you think, oh, I'm just going to go out for a run. I like running. That'll take me 30 minutes. Yeah. You don't think, take into account that you have to get changed, yeah. that you have to get back, yeah, yeah, have yeah. a shower, have something to eat, like all of these things that um, are involved in that because you yeah. think, oh, I like that. I can get that yeah, done yeah. in half an hour. Whereas if you think, oh, there's a pile of washing that I need to do that's going to take forever. Yeah. And I've only got 10 minutes before I've got to leave. Yeah, yeah. There's absolutely no way on earth that I can do yeah. that. So your brain actually um, confuses the the amount of time that it will take oh, okay. to do something yeah. with ADHD. Yeah. So it's not like, I don't like that, I'm not going to do it. It's like my brain's telling me I haven't got time for it yeah. or I've got all the time in the world for yeah. it. Based on what you're want to do what you want to do and what you're interested in yeah and so i kind of get that what you're saying it's like that difference between is it is it hard work or is it just being motivated to do that because i kind of i suppose i get that on on quite an extreme scale yeah Yeah, and i don't mind like working hard towards something if i've got an interest in it or if i'm enjoying the process overall yeah but if it's something that i've got absolutely no interest in if someone says right sit there and do some maths right now and yeah. I, I, no. I, I just could not do that no. you know there's no way no. that i could sit and like in where some people would love that They'd yeah go, right yeah give me the sums yeah. but yeah so it's um it's a it's yeah. an interesting way that i suppose different people's brains work isn't it yeah and it's it's just that it's different isn't it it's i mean some very extreme conditions make life really in, difficult for, for people um, but really the way that I think is only an inconvenience because of the norm of society the way you think is only it's only difficult because that's not how everything around you works yeah. and that's where that's where I, I love art brute and outsider art and art made by marginalised people or, or people that have never been taught because there's just something raw and amazing and they're only making it because they can't not make it because they're fascinated by it, they're interested in it, um, and that's where uh, people like Ben, ben uh, that chewing gum man, yeah. he's he's I, he's a good friend. He's he doesn't do it for any other reason than he can't not do it. Yeah. Um, also, I don't know if you know Stephen Wright at House of Dreams. No. Um, so Stephen's, I mean, if you if you can go and see it, it's not open all the time. It's just a terraced house in Dulwich. And it's normal house, normal house, normal house. Then it's like, what the hell is this place? I mean, every millimetre is covered with colourful things stuck on the wall, doll's heads, weird cans, paintings, murals. And again, it's just, he, he's just done that because he says the, the house is his diary. It's yeah. his journal. Um, and he's not doing that for any other reason. So I think that's, stuff doesn't have to have a reason. I think following what we're interested in is the most important thing. And interested people are interesting. That's that's the thing with social media is people running around trying to be interesting. Whereas I think, no, it's the opposite. Just be interested in something and create a window into your world. So people can look through social media and see what you're interested in. I never create anything for Instagram. It's all for me. It's just have a look through if you're interested in what I'm up to at the moment. Yeah. Do you feel that... Um, do you- I don't know if it's because I suppose we're kind of maybe a similar age, but um, do you feel it's because, I don't know, maybe we're getting a little bit older or do you feel that the world is changing and that there is less um, sort of variation within the creative realm? Um, I feel like a lot of um, things within within music or art, they're they're very easily categorised now. Maybe yeah. that is because um, because of algorithms yeah. and people find them, well, I like that. That's how my um, profile will look and therefore that's how their algorithm will be yeah. set. So they will be only fed things yeah. that, you know, I've got um, a, a work Instagram and sort of a personal Instagram and and these the the things that I get shown um, couldn't be more, more different yeah. really. So, so I've got an insight into like how different... Yeah. a profile could be based on what it thinks your personality yeah. is and I kind of think that that is starting to narrow things down yeah. a little bit more and leave less room for people to just go well I can do whatever the fuck I want yeah I mean that's the thing is if I do whatever the fuck I want well because I do whatever the fuck I want I'm at the mercy of the algorithms and however many followers I've got I sometimes get messages saying oh I didn't know you were still posting stuff and it's it's just not shown up but it's that adage, isn't it? Is it? If you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Yeah. So it's to think that things like 
social media aren't like water coming out your tap. It is a commercial business. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it narrows stuff down. There's another good conversation I had with Fred Deakin years ago. I interviewed him for something. I can't even remember what it was. Um, it wasn't Sound of Silence. <laughs> and he said the, the internet promised us the, the, a wide range of alternative things, but it's delivered the opposite. Because now if you are a band and have anything less than 10,000 followers, you're not worth listening to, unless there's a cult following. And so it's done the opposite. It's only popular stuff gets rewarded by becoming more and more popular. Yeah. So to exist on the edges or on the fringes is, I think, is really difficult. Yeah. And then you just get sweeping changes. It's like what's happened to Twitter. All of a sudden, people that have invested in that platform, it's been a, that will happen to Instagram it's at some point. I'll be really yeah. gutted because I just put lots of time into, into working with that. Yeah. But that's where getting, getting out and getting on the, the street and bumping into people and going to weird places and walking down alleyways you've never gone down. That's where you really find the, the gems. Yeah. yeah. Um, because everything gets sanitised and cleaned up. It's, I always use the analogy of busking. It's like as soon as you, they have the official busking pitches, you get less weirdos. Yeah. You get less freaks. And I don't know if you know, but you actually audition for a busking pitch. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. You, uh, as soon as you have to audition just to be there yeah. creating... No, for it's, people's pleasure, that's that's a barrier. Yeah, and it, it narrows it down towards more of the same. This is the type of things people are going to like. Um, and yeah, you used I haven't to get seen some... a one-man band for a very long time. No. I saw one online recently, yeah. sick, but stuff like yeah. that. You don't get it so much. No, anymore, it used to be you know? my brother went to art school in Liverpool, at John Moore's University, and I remember going up to visit, and the buskers in Liverpool, I've not been to Liverpool for a long time, in Liverpool city centre, were amazing. Yeah. There was this one guy that we used to call Captain Beefheart, <laughs> Um, there wasn't his name, he just looked a bit like Captain Beefheart. And he just would wear a suit and this big hat, and he must have been in his 70s, and he had a little old 80s cassette player, and he just used to play music and dance and whistle. That's genius. <laughs> yeah. He should have a pitch on the underground. But it, then if you have to audition... So I did quite a few open mics. I was living in Camden and London Bridge for a bit last year. And they were just like karaoke. So I turned up with a, with a guitar and just really shoddy, broken music. Um, and then everyone else had a backing track and was singing perfectly, which is nothing wrong with that. But I was thinking, where's all the, where are all the weirdos gone? It's all very um, pop idol X factor, yeah. isn't it? And so to find something like, I don't know, something on the edge edges is really, I, well, I think it's tricky unless you actually go out there because yeah. everything else is uh, at the mercy of algorithms. Yeah. And I suppose the just when you're out in the streets as well, it just feels to me that um, as someone that's kind of been documenting and um, sort of talking about um, urban art and outsider art and um, art and walls for, for a long time now, it feels that that is getting less and um, advertisements are becoming more. Yeah. And um, just the... A lot of the artwork, uh, no disrespect to you know anyone that puts art out on the streets, has, has kind of got my respect because it's it's a brave thing to do. But it feels like people are um, doing more and more things that they think will get likes, yeah. rather than doing something because that's an expression of yeah, themselves. Because they can't not do it. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't know what you think. One of the things that made me really sad was when the Leak Street Tunnel's got an official sign saying Leak Street Graffiti Tunnels or whatever. It's like, now that sign's there, it's ruined the whole thing for me. Yeah. It's like, it's now an official thing. Yeah. And it'll get to a point where you have to audition for it and all that, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, you have to can't show you just your let it, first. Let it be. Yeah. We, um, we were trying to set up a wall for someone recently um, who was in town and they, they said, oh, is there any walls that we can paint? I said, oh yeah, I've just knocked on a door and, you know, a few years ago around here, if you would have knocked on a door and said, can this person paint your wall? They'd say, yeah, of course. And they'd say, the first thing he said was, how much are you going to pay me? Right. And I was like, nothing. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. well, the last people that did the wall did an advert and they paid us like this amount of pounds for right. like two weeks. So you either pay for the spot yeah. or you don't. And I was like, and that felt like a big, um, a big turning point yeah. really yeah. for me. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is what I've always thought is the stuff that you see like walking around here, walking around Shoreditch is, um, that's art. The thing that is vandalism, the adverts that are thrown in our face all the time, 
forcing people in luring people into spending money they don't have on things they don't want that's the vandalism yeah. um, but I did a thing with Artichoke Trust last year which I don't know if you saw it was my cowboy painting oh yeah, yeah. and that was that was a brilliant project and they've done another one recently but that was using um, out of home advertising space and the companies donated a portion of it that would then display art so that cowboy painting um, was on bus stops and billboards all around the UK, uh, and it didn't. It wasn't about. It, it wasn't overtly about anything, um, but that was on a like a controversial sub- subject. But I think that can. How can we redress that to reclaim some of that space that's to do with advertising? Because that's a symptom of it now, isn't it? I mean, if I was that person um, in a current economic climate, I'd probably say, "Can you pay me?" to paint on my wall yeah. it just becomes a whole spiral doesn't it yeah yeah so it's about um i suppose how do we how do we kind of um well get it back to creativity for creative sake yeah. and i suppose people like you for me are the kind of answer to that really right. i suppose that's no, why good. i'm kind of talking good. to people like you yeah. and ben because um the what you do and the way you do it is really inspiring I think because it's something just very um it's raw it's natural it's intuitive and you I suppose you place a lot of trust in that you're you're going to do something and it's at some point something's just going to work out yeah and it'll be okay and that's the thing is it's everything's an experiment everything's improvised so in the summer one of my favorite things last summer was I didn't have much money I was living in a tiny flat in Camden and I just had some white spray paint and black acrylic paint so I went in Regent's Park sat on a rug and painted sticks so I just found sticks in Regent's Park sat and painted them and I made a little sign said if you'd like a stick you can take one and it was it was such a I mean it was a meditative thing to do just to sit there painting sticks but so many people took sticks other people would sit down and they'd chat for hours and they'd tell me their life story Um, and then so I kept going back and doing that and then I was at the Good Life Experience Festival as artist in residence last year I just I ran a stick painting workshop and I couldn't stop it. People just kept coming. I had to keep going into the woods to get more sticks. <laughs> but that was, that has De- no intention. Deforesting. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to say, project. they, they uh, found sticks rather than <laughs> chopping them off trees. But again, that was that thing. It's just, just do something because it seems interesting. What's the worst that's going to happen? I might sit down and think painting sticks is boring. Then I stop painting sticks. But you never know if it's, one of the things that I try and do is to, to uh, leap then look. So to not think, because th- I will talk myself out of things. Yeah. If, I'd, if I'd planned the Sound of Silence podcast, um, or if I'd planned, right, I want to get this Lost Cat poster on every continent around the world, I would never have got started. I would have overthought it. So start before you're ready. I think that's the most important thing. If no one likes it, fuck them, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, you, if it's something that you're interested in, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if no one else is interested in. But imagine that. If people would fear that, if you find yourself fascinated, totally interested in something that no one else in the world is interested in, you're a genius. Yeah. So don't worry about it. Yeah. In fact, you should be disappointed if other people like it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my philosophy, I think. <laughs> So what's up next? You've got a uh, you've got a show opening in uh, Fitzrovia this evening, yeah, right? Yeah, tonight. It's um, part of a I show. I mean, this is not going to go out for another week or so. No, so. it's but on. I don't know when it's on till. People always ask me, and I never know when things are on till. But I think it's on for a month. So Amazing. in Charlotte Street, can't remember the name of the gallery either. I'm terrible at my own PR. But it's an exhibition called Mute that's curated by Nikki Hurst, um, and there's some brilliant artists in there. And I've not seen the piece that I've got in there, but it's a massive sort of billboard-sized um, photo of all of the Sound of Silence guests. Oh, amazing. Um, and a bit about the project, and then there's a QR code that you use on your phone. You can listen to the silence when you go in. Oh, amazing. So that's the immediate thing. I just finished an exhibition in Woking, um, and then I'm going to breathe for a bit. Yeah. There, there's some things bubbling, and it'll kill off what the February, or l- lay it gently to rest, or yeah. have a Viking funeral for what the February. But, yeah, I, I need that space that sort of fertile space for something else will pop up yeah and if it doesn't then it doesn't yeah but it always sounds like you've got quite a lot um quite a lot going on with residencies talks yeah those kind of things yeah and that's the thing it's i mean there's still the that constant voice of well you're gonna run out of money soon um and then there's that gut feel of saying something will happen something will sort itself out 
at the moment I start panicking about it, it won't be the same the same work, I don't think. Mm. Yeah, I watched an um, interesting um, series on, well, actually it might have just been one episode, it was quite a um, famous um, actor talking to his um, talking to his therapist. Um, I think it was called Schultz or something. And um, and the the therapist was sort of talking about his main kind of points and theories for for how you can be happy and content yeah. in life. I think one of the main ones that stuck with me is um, uncertainty is is always going to be certain. Yeah. You can't you can't escape uncertainty. No. And if you keep trying to make things in your life. Um, structured and perfect and you're always chasing this this goal of that you're, you're never going to achieve it you've just got to accept that there is uncertainty yeah. and I think the last few years have obviously taught us that massively but I think that's quite a good theory to live by yeah I think the most important practice for an artist or a human being in general is is the practice of not knowing mm. of becoming less uncomfortable with not knowing i don't think you can ever get comfortable with it but because we don't know and i think all that happened with the pandemic was we realized how much of it was an illusion anyway and then it was i can't remember if it was theresa may one of the recent plethora of prime ministers <laughs> in their speech i can't remember which one it was promised certainty in their speech and it's like what the hell are you on about did you create the universe yeah it's like if if we're buying certainty we're being ripped off yeah. and i think that's the thing is i it's so tempting, but I've, anything that seems too concrete for me, I've learned to be suspicious of. Like, that's a trap. That's me trying to numb out of my existential anxiety. So, yeah, everything's uncertain. Nothing has any point to it, but I don't find that depressing. No, I think that once you can um, once you can find comfort and excitement in that, yeah, then there's a freedom in that, I guess, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it seems... Oh, it makes sense to me. Who knows? Maybe there'll be a deathbed thing where I go, oh, fuck, I got that wrong. Bleh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Shit. Does, uh, does your daughter like what you do? She's a yeah. teenage now. So. Yeah, so she's um, going to be 16 soon. Um, she's a brilliant artist. and She's rebelling against school more than I did. Um, I found school equally as difficult, but was, yeah, I just stuck with it. Um, but yeah, she enjoys it. What's lovely, she's got a brilliant group of amazing, different, unusual friends, and they all follow me on Instagram, and they sometimes come to my exhibitions and stuff. So amazing. I like that at the moment. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, maybe it'll suddenly, she won't like it anymore. But I love her stuff as well. Um, so yeah, we work well together. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, is there anything else you want to add? Because normally what happens is I switch off, and then we have some like, really interesting conversation and someone tells me something like really magnificent and I'm like why the fuck didn't we record that oh, right. so is there anything like magnificent or fantastic you want to tell me before well, you we know start? that I'm not going to be able to answer that until you switch it off <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know every time um, well, I might start yeah. doing a new podcast the bit after the podcast yeah, exactly like bonus bonus uh, content start charging somewhere. for it yeah just pretend you've switched it off yeah happens. I think that's illegal but yeah. fuck it alright yeah. <laughs> yeah um I can't think of anything. Okay. No. For the first time, you can't think of anything. There no, you go. So we're going to blank. Just blank. I don't think there's anything else. Steve, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. Um, I, I, I think I've uh, made it quite clear today that I really love your work and um, I love what you do and I think you bring something really brilliant to um, to the to the world. And um, yeah, keep keep it up, man. Thank you. Means a lot hearing that. Yeah. Take care and best Thanks of luck with me. the. Ah, oh, no problems. Um, best of luck with the show tonight, and um, best of luck putting what the February to to bed. I will. Um, I will com commiserate it at the funeral. Yeah. yeah something will happen. Someone else will pick it up. I'll pick it up. Yeah. No way. Good. Well, um, you got that on. Got that on dedication. On tape. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, mate. Bye.